welcome to Sound Encounters, the show where I take you on a musical journey as we explore different genres, bands and artists, and new and classic releases. I'm Cesar Torres, and I'll be your guide today. Welcome back to Sound Encounters, the 35th episode, where I'll finish up the guide to legendary underground rapper and producer MF Doom. And right off the bat, I gotta apologize for not releasing an episode last week. Uh, as I said on the Sound Encounters Twitter and Instagram pages, which by the way, you should follow at Sound Encounters, it was a wild week for me, sort of balancing uh, life and work, so I just didn't really have time to plan the show and record it. Uh, I actually, I was planning the show, I just planned a small portion of the MF Doom segment that you'll hear coming up. So I apologize. I'm here now. Caesar's back. We're going to talk about MF Doom later. But I also kind of just decided because things in my life are changing, I wanted to rework the show. Um, usually, after this introduction on any episode of Sound Encounters, I would start talking about the music that I heard the past week, the new music that came out, uh, whether it's a single or singles, an EP or a couple of albums, I would talk about them sort of in depth, give a quick review of singles, EPs, uh, the works. Fortunately, because things have been kind of hectic, I have not been able to listen to newer music. So there won't be a This Past Week in Music segment this week. And I was thinking about it, and I thought maybe I should rework things in a way where I can just axe off this past week in music, and I could just focus on the main event, the main segment that I have coming up. And, you know, of course, this week is A Guide to MF Doom, Part 2. And I would only really talk about new releases when I think they are significant enough in the intro. That way it cuts back on time, and again, it gets to the point of the episode. That way we won't have hour-long episodes. They'll mainly be around 20 to 30 minutes, and that way you can just hear the main segment for this week. Now, of course, there will still be segments where I feel like I'm going to talk about a significant release that I've been looking forward to. I did that last year with Sufjan Stevens' The Ascension, just dedicated a segment to a new album, and I feel like I'm going to do that again whenever Sweet Trip releases LP4. But again, I'm probably just going to talk about significant releases, or significant new releases, in the intro, like, during this time. So we're going to try that out this week. You can let me know your thoughts, whether or not you like this change or not, because, yeah, I'm just finding less time to focus on the podcast with work, with life, you know how it goes. Fortunately, I have nothing to talk about. Like I said, didn't listen to any new releases this week, but it's warm outside. Spring is coming. It's March, finally. And so I was re-listening to Dots and Loops by Stereolab, which I feel like I'm probably going to end up talking about Stereolab at some point, whether it's an Essentials album or maybe I'll take on their discography and give you a guide to Stereolab. But Dots and Loops is such a serene, calming, and electronic album. I just 
absolutely love the art pop direction of that album. I love Stereolab style in general. And that new Rarities collection just came out, the, the volume three, I'm pretty sure it was called. We kind of talked about it a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but I'm going to have to listen to that at some point. I, I just, I know that I'm going to, to talk about that. <laughs> and we just got news that a new Godspeed You Black Emperor album is coming out in April. I retweeted it earlier today. I'm kind of dating myself as I'm talking about uh, when I'm recording the podcast, but it's it's kind of funny because this new Godspeed You Black Emperor album is called God's P at State's End. And State's End is in all caps and God is missing the O. It's just like an underscore. Um, very confusing album title, but, you know, when have Godspeed made an album title that was normal? Yes, I retweeted a Consequence of Sound article or tweet where it where it says that in April we're getting a new Godspeed record and I'm so excited I just listened to Alleluia Don't Bend Ascend their 2012 album recently for the first time and I was blown away I also listened to Yankee UXO for the first time about a couple weeks no about a couple months ago and I was also impressed by that one, even though I don't hear a lot of discussion surrounding uh, that album. Although when you talk about Godspeed You Black Emperor, you mainly talk about Lift Your Skinny Fists and F Sharp A Sharp. So I'm really excited to hear this new Godspeed album. And who knows, you might even get a Godspeed You Black Emperor guide sometime in the future. All right, so before we get into the MF Doom guide, please... Let me know what you think of this new format. Let me know if it works, and I'll see what we can do with the show's formatting. Of course, I want to hear your feedback. I want to provide the best show I can for you. And if that means taking out this past week in music or bringing it back, then I'll do what I can. But for now, let's talk about MF Doom. Okay, so I am actually pretty upset that I cannot cover MF Doom like this probably ever again. There won't be any new albums of his, uh, and if there is, they'll be collaborative, and it'll be posthumous, and I cannot cover his discography again, which sucks because I had a fun time going over my favorite MF Doom projects again. Uh, because I had to do this guide. I listened to some MF Doom projects that I've never heard before for the first time, and it was a fun experience because I am such a huge fan of the supervillain, even when he's being just the worst. You can't deny that his music, his his persona, is a good time. So that's for maybe one album that I'm going to talk about in a bit. Even if you have the slightest interest in MF Doom, I recommend listening to at least one album because... That'll get you to listen to two, and then three, and then before you know it, you would have listened to his entire discography. So, before we get back into his discography, let's do a bit of a recap. Doom, aka Daniel Dumoulay, is a New York-based rapper that was born in London. He was in a hip-hop group with his brother DJ Subrock before he passed away, and Doom came back to the scene in the late 90s and released the underground masterpiece Operation Doomsday 
1999. Along with being a rapper, Doom is also a producer who produces his own albums and has a series of produced works called the Special Herb Series. Doom is known for his eccentric and larger-than-life persona, and he's really well known for his comic book references and just overall creative rapping style, multi-syllabic rapping, multi-syllabic rhyming, I should say. And he's also open to working with other artists, whether it's incorporating friends like Curious, MF Grimm, or Mr. Fantastic on his tracks, or collaborating with other producers like Madlib to make legendary albums. The most prolific period in Doom's career was from 2003 to 2005, and where we last left off, we were going to talk about his 2005 album. Before that, he released the ninth and final volume of the Special Herb series in mid-2005. The Mouse and the Mask, Danger Doom, 2005. Doom was riding high from Mad Villainy and Mm Food, and he was starting to get more recognition from others in the industry. He collaborated with De La Soul on the track Rock Cocaine Flow and appeared in Gorilla's 2005 album Demon Days, the track November Has Come. That Gorilla's album was mostly produced by Danger Mouse, another artist who was in the limelight due to his innovative mashup album The Grey Album, which mixed instrumentals and samples from the Beatles' White Album with acapella versions from Jay-Z's The Black Album. So we have two creative talents, Danger and Doom, and they started working together. What happens when they collaborate for a full album? Well, you get an Adult Swim theme LP. Adult Swim brought these two together to create an album inspired by their late night block of cartoons. It's essentially a 40 minute advertisement for the network. And it's for this reason that not a lot of fans love it. Doom was just coming off a food inspired album and his most creative work yet with Mad Lib. So restricting him to talking about Aqua Teen Hunger Force seemed like a step back. Also because of its concept, it seems a bit corporate and fans started viewing Doom as a sellout. And I might feel the same way if this record wasn't so damn good. Before I talk about Doom though, I have to talk about how amazing Danger Mouse is on this project. He produces amazing instrumentals. Space Hose has a killer beat with that lighthearted whistling loop. Gotta love the trumpets on the mask. And there are a couple of times where Mouse incorporates these string samples that sound amazing, notably on Sofa King and Crosshairs. And of course, sound bites from Adult Swim show characters are worked into songs, and it varies from a quick line to a full-blown skit. My favorite being the Meat Wad rapping to Beef Rap from Mm Food at the very end of Bada Bing. I think that this was a fantastic pairing, and the Adult Swim samples works very well with Doom's cartoonish persona and his rapping style. Now, Doom's verses vary from song to song. There are a couple of tracks where I think his raps are kind of forgettable. I joked about him making a song about Aqua Teen Hunger Force, but there is a song called Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and there's another track called Perfect Hair, which promoted a show on Adult Swim called Perfect Hair Forever, uh, and Doom appears in that show. He plays a giraffe named Sherman. I'm not joking. He had to write verses that would fit the album's theme and the concepts of those shows, and because of that, he is restricted, he isn't able to be as creative as he normally would, and on top of that, the rhymes aren't that phenomenal. But he could still write a stellar verse if he needed to. Even though Sofa King ends on a juvenile joke that hasn't aged well, Doom's flow and rhymes are great on this song. He busts out his 
multisyllabic rhyming on Benzie Box that effortlessly flows with Danger's piano instrumental. One of my favorite tracks appears later in the track list, and that's Crosshair's Danger's chopped up sample of Don Harper's Thoughtful Popper makes for a smooth beat to Doom's woody bars. And some of his best rhyming on the album appears on this song. The fat is in the fire, a fryer made of chicken wire, getting sick and tired of a friggin' liar, pelican with some very soft mangoes, a closet full of skeletons and terry cloth kingles. At this point in his career, I'm beginning to think that Doom could write brilliant verses in his sleep. Like, how did he do it? Just pumping out fire verses after fire verses. The more I listen to this project, the more I'm able to appreciate it for what it is, and the more I think, man, this is such a great introduction to uh, Doom for first-time listeners. The beats are fun, they aren't too in your face like Vaudeville Villain, and it isn't difficult to keep up with Doom's verses as it might be on Mad Villainy or Vaudeville Villain. If this is a sellout album, it's the best sellout album. Seriously, more good came out of this album than bad. Doom got to work with Danger Mouse, who is an insanely talented producer. Adult Swim would continue working with Doom on different music projects. Doom even got to host a block of Christmas programming for the network. You could look up the promo for that on YouTube. And Doom got to work with Ghostface Killa on the track The Mask, which spawned Doom Sparks. And I'll talk about that later, but also it opened the gate for Doom to collaborate with other members of Wu-Tang. The Mouse and the Mask also marks the end of this prolific era in Doom's career. It was around this time that Doom became inconsistent with rap-centric releases. In 2006, Doom released the Special Herbs box set, which contained all the Special Herbs volumes along with some KMD instrumentals. And in May of that same year, Danger Doom released the Occult Hymn EP, which included two new songs and some remixes from The Mouse and the Mask. It wasn't until 2008 where it looked like fans were going to get another Doom project, as Mad Villainy 2 was released in July of that year. Except it's a remix album. Yeah, that's a total bummer. I think Madlib was getting tired of waiting for Doom to collaborate with him or send back some verses, but yeah, Madlib just remixed the entire album and released it and called it Mad Villainy 2. Eight months later, Doom would finally release his third solo album, Born Like This, Doom. 2009. So this is another project that I feel is overlooked by Doom fans, which is a shame because, man, this album is something else. Right off the bat, something is different with this album, and it is evident from who this album is credited to. It's not MF Doom, it's just Doom. Well, on streaming services, it's MF Doom, but buy a physical copy of this album or look up like a Pitchfork review and you'll see it's credited to Doom which says a lot about this project without actually saying much. Throughout Born Like This, we delve deeper into the supervillain's psyche and explore some really dark places. To match this darker tone, the production provided by not only Metal Fingers, but also Madlib and Jay Della is ominous and chilling. Doom's voice is gravelly and his delivery is guttural. It blows his husky performance on Mad Villainy out of the water, and it complements his desolate and sometimes disgusting lyrics on this project. The track absolutely mentions dismemberment and torture, and there is some really shocking imagery in this song. The following track, Rap Ambush, has more appalling images, as Doom uses a military ambush to compare what it's like to go up against Doom in a rap battle. And then Doom starts talking about human remains after being blown up by explosives. 
left him with the brains kicked in with the training, dragged the remains into the open by the bootstraps, dog tag attached to explosive human booby traps. It really seems like Doom wanted to explore pure wickedness on this album and, and explore what it really means to be a villain, which might be a turnoff to some listeners who love his wackier and cartoonish rhymes and beats, but honestly, this makes it stand out among his other projects, and it, it was especially needed after a goofy album like The Mouse and the Mask. If you want a clearer picture of this album's desolate direction, listen to Cells, which samples the Charles Bukowski poem, Dinosauria We. Bukowski highlights the craziness of this world as he talks about expensive healthcare, capitalism, idiotic politicians, and damage to the environment that is destroying us and this planet. And as Bukowski is reciting his poem, dramatic brass instruments, a stumbling drumbeat, and explosion sound effects makes this a highlight of the album. I, at least I think it's explosive uh, sound effect. It could definitely be like a tsunami. That, that was the second thing that popped into my head when listening to this track. Uh, but I'm still stunned whenever I listen to this, uh, to the, at least the first two minutes. It's just amazing. It is from this poem that the album's name comes from, as Bukowski repeatedly states, born like this or born into this. It's clear that Doom was really inspired by this poem and its grim imagery, and it allowed for the supervillain to again explore just dark places. Doom himself is so impressive on a lot of these songs. His flow on Gazillion Ear just keeps going, and, and it doesn't stop even when the beat switches, which, by the way, that is a phenomenal moment on that track. He seamlessly switches to a Jay Della produced beat and doesn't miss a beat, and it's one of Doom's best moments ever. I also really love this line. Listen, don't look now, keep walking, traded three beans for this cow, cheap talking, Hawkman stalking here that we hawking often, coffin to a coffin, might as well scoff the pork then. Speaking of Della, Doom wraps over one of the producer's tracks, Lightworks, from the legendary album Donuts. That song is another highlight on this album. But if you really want dense lyricism, listen to That's That, which is regarded as one of his best tracks, and it isn't difficult to see why. The amount of rhymes this man is pumping out in this song is insane. It's incomprehensible. Literally, I just was so overwhelmed when listening to this song. I just didn't know what he was saying, and I still kind of don't know what he's saying. I mean, just listen to this line. Trees is free, please leave a key. These meager fleas, he's the breeze, and she's the bee's knees, for she, G's of G's. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what that means, but uh, damn is he flowing. One of my favorite lines on this album is from this song. These little titties, abilities, riddle me, middle C. And I, I definitely get that line. The lyrics are abstract, but I get the sense that Doom wrote this song to just brag about his technical ability, which we're all aware of. At the end of this track, he starts singing... And it's not, it's not the best, but he sounds like a drunk dude at karaoke. He even says, did you miss these rhymes when I was gone? So he knows in that period between 2005 to 2009, when he was mostly silent, fans were really missing his rhymes. And he delivers on this track and he sort of like gives a nod to us fans, which is a surprising moment because he's a supervillain. You know, why would he give anyone uh, what they want? He's mainly unpredictable, but, you know, it was it was a nice moment. I would love to tell you that this is a flawless Doom album because 
it almost is. I mean, tracks featuring Empress Star and Raekwon and Ghostface Killa are all amazing, but I think the ending is pretty weak, as after Supervillains, there's like two interlude tracks, and it just feels like the album should have ended with Supervillains, or at least another track after Supervillains. Um, and then there's Bati Boys. The story behind this track is Doom's son told him that Batman was the coolest superhero. And Doom's jealousy got the better of him. And he writes this song where he makes fun of Batman and other DC superheroes. Notice how he doesn't mention Marvel heroes for being gay. In retrospect, this song hasn't aged well because it comes off as very homophobic. <laughs> and it's a shame because the instrumental is so freaking good. Those urgent trumpet loops are phenomenal. When asked about this song, Doom says it, it just further pushes the idea that he is a supervillain. Which, sure, but come on, man. But other than that, it's it, it's a great album. It honestly could knock off Mad Villainy if not for those issues that I just stated. So where do you go after Born Like This? Well, I'll tell you. Before I do, I said I would bring up Doomstarks, which was just a collab between Ghostface Killa and Doom. They released an EP called Victory Laps in 2011, which was just one song with several remixes. Apparently they have other songs, maybe even an album, but who knows when that'll be released, if ever. Key to the Cuffs, JJ Doom, 2012. In 2010, Doom toured the US and then the UK to promote Born Like This. After wrapping up the UK tour, Doom learned he was denied re-entry into the United States. So remember in part one when I said how he never gained American citizenship and why that would be important later on? This was why. Doom was pissed. His wife and child were in the US and around that time he publicly said that he was done with the US. So he relocated to the UK and his family relocated with him as well. But during this time, he began writing songs about his anger with the whole situation and reached out to New Orleans producer Janeiro Jarrell, who mixed a couple of tracks from Born Like This, at least remixes. Um, and this would become the foundation for Doom's next collaborative project, Key to the Cuffs, credited as J.J. Doom. Yet again, this is an album that I think is treated unfairly. This is, I believe, Doom's most underrated project. And the reason why people don't like this is because it has to do with the production. Many fans believe Jarrell's production style just doesn't match with Doom's rapping. JJ opts for a more low-key and atmospheric approach to producing. A lot of the instrumentals are electronic, which Doom hasn't done since the Victor Vaughn projects. But I love a lot of what Doom and JJ have to offer on this project. Knowing Doom's situation going into this album makes tracks like Governor, Banished, and Boring Convo much more interesting. Doom tries to blend in in the UK on Boring Convo, which sees a more vulnerable and confused Doom. He also gets a bit philosophical as he says it doesn't matter where a person is from, and he sees no point in trying to assimilate to the culture, and, and, and says that he should just be himself. Also, the opening lines are great. The supervillain get kicked out of your country and said the Pledge of Allegiance six times monthly. I don't understand fans who say that the production on this album is boring or not exciting as tracks like Banished is abrasive to match Doom's anger of being stranded in a different country. You can also hear the toll this takes on Doom as on Winter Blues, he longs for his wife. He is sentimental and needs her touch and company to make him feel better. It's a surprising track as we've rarely heard Doom get romantic and gushy throughout his discography, but 
it's a very good one. Doom once again sings on this track, so just sit back and enjoy his velvety smooth voice. Jarrell provides a swelling synth pad and gentle piano for this track. Before I talk about Governor, I have to say I love J-Day's production on this album. It's different, and it mirrors the weariness and rage that Doom feels throughout the album. Although Doom takes on GMOs on GMO, JJ's choice to use a simple acoustic guitar loop, strings, and synths was great. Dog Friendly features a nice, ominous, and bass-heavy instrumental, and Viberian Sun Part 2's soothing synths were ethereal. JJ proves to be a wonderful producer, and I think he complimented Doom well for a project like this. Doom and Jarrell really shine on Governor, my favorite track on this album. Jarrell's hazy, psychedelic, and dreamlike beat is the perfect companion to Doom's esoteric references and storytelling. Also, Doom starts the song with Catch a Throatful from the Fire vocal with Ash and Molten Glass like Ia Jokel. I hope I said that right. But Doom just referenced an Icelandic volcano. Enough said. Sure, it's not the most immediate Doom release, but I still think there is a lot to appreciate here. And I know JJ's production won't be for everyone, but I love his subtle and sparse production. It's really unique for a Doom project. Neruvian Doom? Neruvian Doom 2014. In 2013, Doom started recording his next collaborative project with Bishop Neru, who was 17 years old when they started recording this LP. You may be asking yourself, who is Bishop Neru? Because I didn't know who he was before I started listening to this project. Nuru is a New York rapper who met Doom a couple of months before recording this record when he opened for the villain and Ghostface Killa in London. Before linking up with Doom, Nuru had a very scarce body of work. He had an EP with Dizzy Wright, a couple of mixtapes, and a single. So it's amazing that Doom chose this kid to collaborate with instead of some other underground rappers that would probably suit his style like Earl Sweatshirt or Tyler the Creator or even like Joey Badass. But Doom isn't known for his conventional approach when it comes to making his music. So how does this album hold up? Well, for the most part, Doom spends a lot of time off the mic and behind the board. Out of the nine tracks here, Doom only appears on four of them. The rest is handled by Nauru. Not to say Nauru is terrible, but he certainly can't carry this project by himself. Especially when the main draw of this album is Doom. I think Nauru has potential though. It is clear that he takes some inspiration from the supervillain on a track like Ohm, where he's trying to squeeze in as many rhymes as he can, and his flow isn't bad either. He starts verse 2 with, Am I being idolized, or am I a pair of idolized? I look into the sky, a wise beam of light replies. He busts out more multisyllabic rhymes on So Alone, and I really love his lyrics of isolation and the feelings that come with that. But the problem starts to show themselves on the hook of this track, because Nuru's singing isn't his strong suit. It's kind of grating, and I tend to skip through it when I listen to this track, and this issue persists on the previous track, Mean the Most, where his singing is really awkward, and I just cringe whenever he starts singing. But this is a guide to MF Doom. How is Doom whenever he appears on this record, and how are his beats? As you would expect from Metal Fingers, production is inventive and dripping with personality. He samples a lot of clarinets, sax, trumpets, giving it that authentic old-school vibe. My favorite example of Doom's creative production is on Coming For You, where Doom seems to loop this throaty vocal line from Nauru. I thought that was really cool. 
The supervillain has some verses near the end of the album. Caskets is a highlight for me because I get flashbacks to Mad Villainy with how many rhymes he's pumping out on that track. My favorite track on the album, however, has to be Great Things. It is framed as a dialogue between Doom and Nauru, Nauru being the young and fresh face in the industry who sees the sky as his limit, and Doom, the veteran, giving advice to him. It's heartwarming to hear Doom putting so much faith in this kid, and because of that energy, it's my favorite on the record. I like Nuru's hook on this one. I don't mind his awkwardish delivery, as I think it works well here. And Doom's production is bright and juvenile. Unfortunately, the bad kind of outweighs any good that comes from this album, as Doom's presence is very limited, and Nuru can sometimes ruin the flow of a song. I would only recommend this to Doom completionists. From this point to Doom's last release, he would sporadically pop up on other artists' songs like Frankie Sinatra on the Avalanche's 2016 album. He reunited with M.E.D. and Madlib on Bad Neighbor, but we don't really talk about that album. In 2017, Doom got together with Griselda's West Side Gun for a two-track EP called West Side Doom. We're supposedly going to get more songs from them, but who knows? Going back to 2015, he would appear on Zarface's Every Hero Needs a Villain album. Who is Zarface, you ask? Well, Zarface meets Metalface, Zarface and MF Doom, 2018. Zarface is a hip-hop supergroup consisting of producer, MC duo, 7L and Esoteric, and Wu-Tang Clan's Inspector Deck. Listening to their music, hell, even looking at their album covers, you can clearly see this villainous, comic book-inspired edge to their music. Because of this, it only made sense to get Doom for a feature or two, but Doom just straight up collaborated with them for a full LP. And I wish I could tell you this is a strong album, but unfortunately, I have some issues with it. First and foremost, I don't think Esoteric's verses pack the punch they should. He's on an album with two legendary MCs, and to be fair, I'm more focused on them than him, which could be the reason why I don't like him on this record. Although he does have a line in Forever People that I like. Big-headed, I better try the wide lenses, quite pretentious, bar like my mic got a life sentence. The production also falls flat for me at times. They're either minimalistic or stale, which could work, but it doesn't really when dealing with deck and doom verses. It is evident on Phantoms, as the simplistic beat works more for open mic eagle than doom, but then there's this killer beat switch and deck gets the grittier instrumental. Speaking of deck, I thought he was alright. Throughout the first half, he just doesn't really stand out aside from his time on Metal with Metal and Don't Spoil It, where on his single verse he refers to all these classic hip-hop projects and movies featuring rappers like Friday, Hustle and & Flow, and Graffiti Rock, to name a few. It's a fun and creative verse. I think he fares better on Astral Traveling, as he opens his verse with Yo, I'm a modern-day Gil Scott Heron, heading down Fury Road with Charlie's Theron. But again, it's an MF Doom guide. How does Doom sound? Disappointing. Doom sounds bored or like he's reading off like a sheet of paper. And is it me or does his rhymes fall flat? Don't get me wrong, there are a number of opportunities for Doom to show off his rhyming abilities, but he doesn't bring that energy or grit that he's known for. He's villainous on tracks like Metal with Metal as he takes on TMZ and fake drama. He fares better on Badness of Madness with nicer rhymes, a slower flow, but he just doesn't sound too into it. I'm going to go back to saying that Doom doesn't really work with these beats. Compared to Open Mic Eagle or Esoteric's verse, which I actually like on Phantoms, Doom just falls into the background. 
that's not to say that there aren't highlights on this thing. Everyone brings their A-game on Bomb Throne. The instrumental hypes up an onslaught of verses from Doom, Deck, and Esoteric as it loops these catchy choral vocals. Deck and Esoteric are great, but Doom is especially great on this track. It almost makes me think he wrote this verse first, then got lazy with the rest of the verses on the album. This is still the best track on the LP, and listening to this makes me just wish that the rest of the album was like this. Best run of the album is definitely From Phantoms to Nautical Depth, which is in the middle of the track list, so this album takes its time to get going and definitely just peters out at the end. I wish I had more nice things to say about this album because this was Doom's last full-length project he worked on before passing away. From 2018 to 2020, he collaborated with Bishop Nauru again for the track Meathead and Flying Lotus and Bad Bad Not Good for some tracks for GTA's online. Then on October 31st, 2020, Doom passed away and we all got the news on New Year's Eve. It was an incredible and sometimes emotional journey listening to Doom's discography all the way through. And I hope if you're already a fan of Doom, you are discovering that too. Or if you are a first-time listener, you get something out of this experience. Now it's time for my listening order. Doom has a very extensive discography that lasts about two decades. So where do you even get started? I'm going to recommend Operation Doomsday as the first album you should listen to. I think it's a fantastic starting point, and it's the album that we were all introduced to this villainous persona. If you want to listen to his best output after that, go straight to Mad Villainy and Mm Food. Or if you want something more accessible, listen to The Mask and the Mask after Operation Doomsday. After that, you are free to explore and listen however you please. If you want to hear less of Doom and more of his beats, listen to Take Me to Your Leader and Special Herbs. If you want to hear his darkest output, listen to Born Like This. Do you just want to get fucked up and listen to his craziest work? Well, listen to the Victor Vaughn albums and Key to the Cuffs. Want something even more accessible, put on Nuruvian Doom. Although if you ask me, listen to everything else before putting on Venomous Villain and Nuruvian Doom. And then listen to the EPs that he put out throughout the years. Then if you still want more, listen to both KMD projects. I cannot recommend them enough. And with that, that is my guide to MF Doom. What are your favorite projects? What is his best? Let me know. Reach out to me on Anchor, Twitter, and Instagram because I would love to continue this MF Doom discussion. And that does it for this week of Sound Encounters. Usually this is the point where I say what I'm going to talk about for the next episode of Sound Encounters, but I'm not exactly sure. So it'll be a surprise for all of us. In the meantime, you could follow the Sound Encounters Twitter and Instagram pages with the handle at Sound Encounters. I post updates and share music memes on those accounts, and I interact with the lovely people who give my posts a like and a comment. You could also send me a voice through Anchor to recommend a topic I should talk about, or you could give me some feedback. And if you do, I'll give you a shout out on the show. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash soundencounters or soundencounters.com or follow the link in the podcast description to send your message. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and that too could be featured in an upcoming episode. All right, that about wraps it up. Rock on music explorers. Ciao.